All right, and Father, we do lift up Brother Curtis. We pray tonight that you would heal him. He's feeling under the weather. We ask for your touch right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Right now in the mighty name of Jesus, touch Brother Curtis. I ask that you'd touch Brother Joe here tonight. I pray, Father, that you would, anyone sick in our community, you'd begin to touch them tonight and release miracles in the mighty name of Jesus. All right. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the message. Thanks for bearing with me there, Mr. Joe. Tonight's message is called, She Left Her Water Pot. I'm going to take a break from our teachings on prayer just for a week. And I'm going to continue to really hit the theme of prayer. But tonight I wanted to interrupt that, that series and share a message that has moved my heart recently. And it's a story about the Samaritan woman from John 4. Again, the title of the message is She Left Her Water Pot. Now, if you read the story in John 4, 1 through 42, I would encourage you to do so. It tells the story... This is long ago. This is thousands of years ago, in fact. This is at the time of Christ. Thousands of years ago, 2000-ish, there's this broken-hearted Samaritan woman. And as the story goes, she's on her sixth marriage. It's It's... It's understood to be her sixth marriage based on the language in the story, but it could be her, kind of her live-in boyfriend after her fifth marriage, but the idea is that she is on her sixth marriage kind of thing is how the story goes. And she's just going about her ordinary day. She's going uh, to Jacob's well to draw drinking water. It's part of her normal daily duties to go to Jacob's well and to get water for her and her family and her animals. You couldn't just drive to Kroger back then and get a pack of Dasani. That's my favorite. But you had to go to a well. There was no uh, modern plumbing. Of course, this is obviously uh, known, but... uh, a little different back then, 2,000 years ago. So they hike out of the city to the well to get water. And when they run out of water, they have to go back to the well. And this well has been there since, uh, literally since Jacob, from earlier on in Genesis, uh, dug this well. It's been there that long. And this woman was there around noontime, and and that's an unusual time of day to perform this task because it was the middle of the hot part of the day. Normally you'd go early when it's cooler, but the Bible says she's there at noontime, 
at the hottest part of the day and the likelihood is that this woman being on her sixth marriage she's likely the ridicule of her region Uh, she was either so cruelly shamed by others and ostracized into a reclusive manner of life She was either shamed or she was just ostracized uh, into this life of she never wanted to be around any of the other women at that time because of how she was treated. That's likely what happened. That's why she wasn't there at the normal time. She was not liked. She was looked at as sort of an anomaly. You know, we don't like you. you. You're not religious, you're not devout, you're going guy to guy and we don't want you around us and so she's alone and she's doing these duties by herself and I tried to think about her this week, this woman from Samaria, I tried to think about her and I tried to think of how devastated she is when she puts her head on the pillow at night thinking about how life went wrong? Where did did she go wrong to have all of these broken relationships? Is probably what she thought often. Maybe she tried to block it out. She likely became unreservedly cynical because when you've had this many failed marriages and failed relationships, you begin to view things through a darker lens. She likely felt like a worthless piece of property that was given from one man to the next to the next, and on and on. She had been divorced five other times. She's probably already counting the days before she's handed her next certificate of divorce, which technically was permitted under the law of Moses, but it was taken to excess. It was treated so permissively that you kind of, I don't like her, so just going to move on. And so obviously the spirit of Moses' law was not being upheld. And this woman, unfortunately, was just like property handed from one guy to the next. So she was handed from one man to another, then to another, and another, another still, and even then once more. And so again, I've been thinking about what does this woman feel like on this hot day, drawing water, what's going through her mind? The concept of love or the concept of a loving and faithful man had become to her a bitter mirage. She could not conceive of a man who would be faithful to her. Could not imagine it anymore. She was like this shattered water pot that had been mishandled and dropped on a, on a hot Sumerian day. 
because of the unbearable weight. She herself was like this broken pot. Her soul had been spilled out like water on the hot dirt path. I'm trying to imagine there is some profound brokenness, there is some deep cynicism. But as we like to note in the Word of God, stories <laughs> stories in the Scriptures don't end that way. Everything was about to change, praise God. Because on that day, on that day that this broken-hearted Samaritan woman, six marriages, cynical, can't imagine a man that would love her, on that day there happened to be this itinerant Jewish preacher from Nazareth named Jesus who had strategically arranged his journey so that his travels would intersect with this well. I like to think of it as Jesus woke up in the morning and had a prayer time and he just sensed in his spirit, you got to go here to there, but on the way there's, a, there's an important divine appointment, don't miss it. And so he arranges his travels that day to meet the most broken woman in town. And I've been thinking, how special is this woman to God to reroute Jesus' travels just to meet her individually, although it was twice over against cultural customs. Because not only would a man meet with a woman alone, that was very frowned upon, Jews did not interact with Samaritans. They were just too theologically different. Jews had this superior attitude toward Samaritans for their differences. They had religious differences. They stayed separate. And so Jesus and this woman meeting in one location and having a, a conversation just wasn't going to happen. And yet, here we are. This fractured woman who is seeking to draw water from an old well ends up finding the ancient well which offers living water. After a brief conversation involving Jesus revealing to her the private details of her life, her heart began to feel things that had long died ago. Long ago died. The father himself, certainly unknown to her, begins to open her heart. As she's in this conversation, the father is doing something in her heart. She doesn't know it. But her heart begins to receive the truths that Jesus is telling her, that the Son of God is making known to her. And so in the time that it takes to have this theological conversation about marriage and worship and mountains and salvation and such, this woman has a new lease on life by its author. 
Such profound grace had touched her spirit as she met with this preacher named Jesus. Such grace touches her that she feels instantly compelled, I have to leave this place and go tell my town. I have to go tell everyone right now about this Jewish Messiah named Jesus. And so having endured so much grief in marriage, having likely developed a certain degree of angst toward men in general, what's remarkable is it says that in Scripture, she leaves the well, goes right into town, and begins to preach to the men. There's this great prophet that I just met. I think he might be the Christ. Come and see. This broken, shattered woman becomes an evangelist in a hot Holy Spirit second. We're told that she not only reached the men, as the story closes, we're told that many, quote, many, in verse 39 of the Samaritans, believed in Jesus because of her evangelism. And so to use our language, God uses this broken woman who likely thought she had no future, could not imagine life without brokenness. God uses her to spark a revival in Samaria. God used her, the least likely, the person that no one would consider a candidate to be a revivalist. So broken, meets no qualifications on local church statements of faith for evangelism leadership. She has absolutely Nothing going for her in any way. And I love this about Jesus. He says, you know what? That's the one I need to get the message across to Samaria. And I just want to pause there and I just want to say that's what God's like. Whether you're hearing this right now on Facebook or you're hearing this on the recording or you're hearing it in the room... Jesus loves to find the most broken person in town and make them the revivalist that the town needs. A lot of people are trying to get the most talented preacher in town to get revival going. And Jesus is going, you know what? I've got a better way. There is someone so broken. There is someone who is born last in a family that is dysfunctional. They don't even remember that kid. He has all kinds of issues. Been married a bunch of times, made a whole bunch of bad decisions, but I'm going to reach that person. And I'm going to use them for my glory. I don't have anything particularly against talented, awesome people, but the fact is Jesus just doesn't use them as much as He uses people who have nothing except Jesus. 
Oh, that God would raise up in central Illinois broken people that everyone writes off to lead us into revival. Everybody imagines they're going to be the next Paul or Peter or John. But nobody wants to be broken. Everybody wants to be amazing. Everybody wants to have an awesome image projected. Everybody fawning over their awesomeness. Jesus goes, I'm going to cut through all that. I've got a perfect candidate for revival. And it's someone no one's thinking of. Reminds me of little David. The prophet came to the household of Jesse and this prophet Samuel kept going, Where, the, the, the Lord's anointed's not here. Where is he? Oh yeah, he's in the backyard. We don't even think about him. He, he, he's just David. He's just, surely he's not the Lord's anointed. Turned out he was and he made a great king. You know, the reason why we don't have renewal and revival and awakening in many of our churches is because we've kicked out these people that are broken that we think they couldn't do anything for me or for Jesus or the church when all the while he wants to use them. And I praise God that no one is off Jesus' radar. Now, John 4, 28 to 29, this is the verse I want to get to. In verse 28 to 29, it says this woman, who again, she made a, she was a revivalist. I mean, suddenly became a revivalist. She leaves her water pot. She came to get water. She meets Jesus, and now she leaves the water pot. What is she doing? The very thing she came there for, it doesn't mean anything to her anymore. She runs right back into the city and she says, Come see a man who told me all things that I have ever done. Could this be the Christ? It says she left her water pot. Now water is essential to life, obviously. Water is essential to life and it's essential to practical household needs. But all of a sudden, this broken woman found living water. She found something. She found someone more important than regular water. Everything had changed for this woman in one moment. Again, she was saved in a Holy Spirit, a hot Holy Spirit second. She was a believer now. And so old priorities shifted. She once came for water. It's not important anymore, at least not right now. I have to go tell people what I'm seeing. And so as essential as water would be in a hot Middle Eastern day, it was nothing to her in that moment. She had to reach her town And that's the urgency Jesus knew she would have because she was so broken that when she got Christ, she would just burst into this flame of passion and want to tell everybody else. 
I love this story because it just, it makes you feel like he doesn't overlook anyone. He found the most down and out person in the city and he released her into ministry. I love it. Now, let me clarify just so we don't get this wrong. Water is still really important. But here's the thing. It's not important as it was 10 minutes ago. Because she came up, broken heart and all, just doing her daily duties, and now she met God. Everything began to change. Jesus knew She wasn't going to play a game. She wasn't going to try to maintain an image. She wasn't going to try to do anything. She was just going to go and preach. She didn't have anything. She knew she could come back and get some water anyway. This woman realizes this is God talking to me. How can I not do something? How can I not do anything? How can I not let my people know that the Savior of the world is sitting at Jacob's well? I have to tell people. I really love this woman. Praise the Lord, we'll get to meet one day and share stories and I think it'll be really cool. Now let's go down, let's break down the uh, meaning and application of this story for us tonight. I just have about three thoughts to share about this story. Again, this is John 4, 1 through 42, if you just want to read it straight Bible. First of all, number one, we need to know this, that the same Jesus who healed this devastated, broken-hearted Samaritan woman, the same Jesus that put her precious heart back together, it was shattered in a million pieces. The same Jesus that put her back together in 10 minutes still does it today. He still does it. He's, he's alive as much right this minute that I'm preaching as he was then. And he can set, just like he set her on a new course, he can set you on a new new course. He's alive and well right now. This very moment. (laughs) As real as he was sitting on that well, it's as real as you sitting in your chair right now. Follow him now, follow him all your days because that same Jesus is the Jesus you're following. He's that real. Maybe you're listening to this. Maybe you're hearing the recording. Maybe you're Facebook in the room and, and you're deep inside. You're like, yeah, there's parts of me that are just so broken. I don't ever tell anybody. I try to hold it together. I try to do my life. But really, I'm wondering, you got to know the Jesus that visited this woman at Jacob's well, he'll put it together. And he'll use you for his glory. So number one, again, we need to know the same Jesus who did this, He's still doing it because He's still alive. Praise God for that. Now number two, I can't emphasize this enough.
I can't say it enough times. No matter how bad you feel like you've messed up in your life. I'm going to pause there. The more we seek to be dedicated to God, the more we have to understand grace, that the on-ramp is so easy. We want to go all the way into God and be fully dedicated to But we can't forget it's all by grace and it's easy to get in. We just believe. No matter how much you think you've messed up your life or how much you think you've sinned and let God down or others down or you might feel that you're just so broken and useless God could never use you, I want you to know tonight that the truth is that Jesus delights in you. No matter how much you've messed up, no matter how much you've sinned, no matter how broken you think you are, Jesus really loves you. It's real. He likes you. He loves you. You are the delight of His heart. He arranges His travels to meet with you personally. The way we do that practically is we just open our Bible and pray. But He really is interested in your life. In the same way he went out of the way to meet the Samaritan woman, he'll do it for you. And so there is not so much sin or so much brokenness that you can't have what she had. You have to know that he loves you. He wants you to be saved from your sins. He wants you to have the assurance of eternal life with him in heaven. And he has been looking for you longer than you can imagine. Here's the good news. He's not waiting for you and me to get up to snuff. He's not waiting for you and me to get to some level of maturity and then come find us. The reason I love this story is because it's so stark. This lady who had been on her sixth marriage, who was essentially the reject of Samaria, he went to her. The idea here is that he goes to anyone. There's no one too low where he won't go lower. He wants you to meet you where you're at. He wants to come to you in all of your sinful, broken, whatever you feel and meet you right there. And he wants to have a serious talk with you about your life. Just like he talked to this woman, it wasn't some, you know, everything that Jesus did was very strategic. He had a real serious talk with her and he blew this lady's mind and she gets real radical real quick. I mean, I think if we all had this kind of conversation, we'd sober up, I'd like to think. But if this is resonating with you, spend some time in the scriptures, spend some time in prayer, let him meet with you and reveal himself to you and just know he's not afraid or intimidated or taken back by all your brokenness quite the opposite he said as he first began his ministry i'm called to heal the brokenhearted that's the statement he began his ministry with now i'm intimidated if you have a broken heart i don't know if i can minister to you 
No, I am here. The Spirit of God is on me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach the gospel, to help the poor, to break people out of prison doors, etc., etc. I'm here to help people at the deepest level. He wants to touch you just like he met with this Samaritan woman. He wants to meet with you. And he wants you to reach others as well. Now let's go down to number three. I'm going to close with with this thought. What is your water pot? I opened saying the title of my message is she left her water pot. What's your water pot? What was once important to you, but now not so much because you met Jesus? You were going to draw water from the well. Oh, I met Jesus. Not so important anymore. I'm just going to leave it there and go reach people. Is there anything you can say you've left behind and gave almost no thought to it? You don't even know you forgot it. This lady, she doesn't even know she forgot her water pot. She just met Jesus. Jesus gave her a bunch of words and knowledge. Jesus affirmed her, and she's off to start a revival. Had no second thought about the water pot. So what have you left behind as the outward evidence that you've met a Christ that is so worthy that you'd leave everything and go tell people? What have you left behind? What have you given almost no thought to in comparison to knowing and making known Christ? Because if you meet the most marvelous Messiah, all of a sudden you start forgetting what you came for. You forget what you were doing. You just, I was going to get water but now my mind is spinning and I've got I, I know instantly I've got a new path here's the thing the more I spend time with Jesus the more real he gets to me the more real he gets And the more the things of this world, they grow strangely dim, as that song goes, in the light of your glory and grace. So let me ask this, is Jesus more important to you than water? Is He more necessary to you than the most necessary things in life? Is He the highest? Is He above it all? If you have not yet left your water pot in order to do what Jesus has set ablaze in your heart to do, pray with me that you would become willing. A lot of people are at the well. They've met Jesus, but now they're like, eh, I don't know. Maybe I'll just kind of grab my pot and back away slowly and maybe there'll be another chance. Once you genuinely meet Christ, there is that inward blaze. I know what I need to do. Friends, do it. Because 
Whatever He sets ablaze in your heart, if you give yourself to that, thinking nothing of where you'll end up, how the money will work out, all of those other things, if you truly just do what He has called you to do, it works out. And you have that feeling on the inside, I'm doing what He made me to do. At the end of our life, we want to be able to say yes to these questions. Jesus was more important to me than getting water into my water pot. Jesus was more important to me than the important things of life. And I think the more we keep him the top priority, the more we kind of just look around and go, wow, he's using me. People are coming to know Jesus. People are being discipled. People are getting touched, healed, learning how to do this and that through little old me. I was just this broke, run-down person trying to just do the practical things of life, and all of a sudden he met me and set me on a new, a new path. Let me make a statement here. Don't remain unwilling to lay down the most essential things. Don't stay unwilling because it gets harder and harder and harder to get willing. I've heard a lot of people say to me, yeah, Derek, you know, I'm just thinking I'm going to do this and get my job and that. And one day I'll rededicate my life to seeking the Lord hard. And I really do understand that. I just don't see these people actually do it. I've never seen it. When you kind of put Jesus as an out there thing to do, it just gets harder and harder and harder to actually reclaim it 20, 30, 40 years from now. It's the oldest trick in the enemy's uh, book. Just live your life for a while. Get to the spiritual things later. You know, get your job going. Get your family, your money. You know, get a second, third, fourth house. Get all these cars Get, you know, get a little more well-known, get a social media brand, get all these things, then get around to serving Jesus. Here's the thing. Those people never get around to it. That's why he goes to the well and meets with the most broken person in town because he knows she's not going to try to get a brand going. He knows she's not going to try to do all these other things and put Jesus... She's just going to do it. Friends, do whatever he tells you to do. Don't stay unwilling to lay down those essential things. Free yourself to do the eternal things. Free yourself. Become unburdened. Lay things down. I mean, really, because so much of what we get tied up with, it doesn't matter for eternity. I don't mean we can't have fun. I don't mean we can't have toys and things like that it's just are you completely handcuffed so it's all so all-consuming you you don't have time to prioritize the lord as number one i better bring this to a close once again she left her water pot will you will you leave it so that you can be freed up to do what jesus has called you to do and encountered you to do and sent you to do. If she can do it, we can do it, you can do it. Amen. Amen.
We will end right there and so appreciate you tuning in uh, Facebook. And this will be up live here uh, on our website here in just a couple days. So Father, in closing, we pray that you would make us more like. Give us the heart of this woman. Give us the heart of a woman who encounters Jesus and is just all in right away. Oh, help us, Father, to know how much you love us even when we're broke, even when we've sinned, even when we've failed time and again. You don't write us off. You want to know us so much. You want us to know you so much. We thank you for tonight. Use this word to touch hearts. We just thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.